Hey guys, welcome back to another great episode of It's The Real Tasha. In today's episode, I have a great lady out of Alabama who we're going to talk, talk to about her different life journeys as a single parent, life's obstacles, and her spiritual journey. I want to welcome Alicia to, to uh, Bigsby to my show. Welcome, Alicia. Hi, how are you doing? Hey. Now, guys, if you don't know, um, I met Elise in Alabama. I lived there for 17 years. I'm currently in Arizona, as I said in my previous podcast. And I watched her grow. Our children went to school together, which our children are not even children anymore. They're adults. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I watched her grow as a woman. And her story is so interesting. And I think her story will help a lot of people on their journey in life, womanhood, spirituality, and different things that people are dealing with. So I thought she would be a great, great person to have on a podcast right now with all the things going on in the world and different changes that people are going through. You know, we need something to have a story that was going to be uplifting and show hope. So I really do thank you for being on my show today. Okay, no problem. Thank you for having me. Okay, so, um, Elise, how, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, like I said in the intro, you were a single parent, and a lot of us were single parents, to, and, and currently are single parents. So, right. with your with that, Elise has some two great kids. One just graduated from Auburn, and another one's getting ready to graduate from Auburn University in Alabama next year, correct? Correct. 2020, okay. he's supposed to come out. Okay, yeah. so with that... Let's talk about raising our children or your children as a single parent. Okay, let's see. Of course, um, I had my children actually kind of young. Um, I actually attended Tuskegee and I got pregnant with the first one um, while I was a freshman at Tuskegee and then had the second one just 15 months later. So, of course, um, as women, we never plan uh, to have children out of wedlock and do it alone. Um, but just kind of the life that I was living at the time, um, that's just kind of how it fell in my lap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had them back to back and, um, really didn't even know anything about children. Actually, I had never been around kids growing up. Um, just like I said, that was my portion at the time, um, becoming a single mom and, um, was not in church, wasn't doing anything. I was just kind of doing life and trying to live it the best that I could, the way that my parents had taught me, get an education, get a good job, and try to, you know, raise your children and provide the best way that you can. Um, But unfortunately, that did not work for me. Um, And being a single mom came with a lot of different hardships, a lot of lessons um, that I learned along the way. Now, I I think, you know, me, myself, being part of the Single Mothers Club, um, people don't realize the struggles that we go through. Um, Sometimes we have to pick and choose if we're going to eat, if they're going to eat, if we're going to pay a bill and we play the shuffle game. I always say I always say it reminds you of the panhandlers in New York where they have either the cars or the cup. Where the ball at? Which ball you going to do? That's how I pay bills. You know, which ball are you lifting the cup up? That's what it always reminded me of. But you made it work. And with that, you know, I think a lot of women and young women um, now need to hear the story of how a lot of us have overcome as a single parent because a lot of them think they just can't do it and it can be done and you can be successful at it. Now, with you said life, you had to deal with life with dealing with life and raising your children. How were you able to prioritize a lot of your things to be able to maintain your household and take care of your children? 
Um, well, initially, when I first had them, um, the most difficult part, of course, we know is being single women, mm-hmm. is income. Um, in this society, it's it's hard to raise children, even with a two-family, uh, two-person income, where you have a mom and a father providing for the home. Um, and so to have two children and not have income, that was an extreme struggle for me. Unfortunately, I did have parents that were able to help a little bit, um, especially when I had the first one. But after I had the second one, the main priority for me was income at that time. And um, I realized that I had quit my education. Like I said, I had my first child when I was a freshman and I had completely stopped going to school. Um, And so the main priority for me was to have a good job. And I was getting jobs, but you know, not getting that job, the job that was gonna help me provide for two children. And so um, I made the decision to move myself into low income housing, um, get myself back into school full time. So at least I could start the process of getting the degree. So I used the system for everything that I could possibly. Um, I, they had CMA at that time. I got on CMA. I got a housing voucher that we have down here um, that was in the town that we're uh, we're talking about Athens, Alabama. Um, I got on food stamps. I did everything that I could and then prioritized getting an education you know, over everything else. So okay. while everybody was even working jobs and getting like factory, for me, I knew that education was going to be my ticket um, to be having a better, uh, putting my family in a better position to have income coming in the home. And, you know, you make an excellent point about that, because when I relocated to Alabama um, from Rockford, Illinois, when my son was five before he started school, I had to go through the same situation, find income based housing, CMA. Like she, um, she she mentioned if a lot of people you don't know, it could be called a different thing um, up north. They call it the Y program. This is a program to help low income mothers help pay for child care. And um, I use that also. And I use that, went to school myself, um, worked a job raised my son, was income-based housing, and I had food stamps. I mean, like I tell anybody, I'm not ashamed of anything that I've ever done to do do what I had to do to survive. But here's the thing that um, a lot of people don't understand. We didn't make a career out of that. You know, we we jumped, we we used the system. Yes, we did, because it was there for us, because we had a common goal at the end. Right. And, and and never feel ashamed if you have to use a public assistance for whatever it is right. that you need, as long as you know that you have a vision of a common goal towards the end. And um, I think a lot of people um, don't realize public assistance is not the be all, you know, be all. You just use it to assist you with what you need to do, get done what you need to get done, and you get off of it. Um, like I said, never be ashamed if you had to use it to, you know, support yourself at the time. But me, myself, personally, those programs are made to help you get where you need to go and then you move on to a better successful life if you utilize it the proper way. Right. Now, you know, with that and going through school and raising two children, trying to keep them on track. And if you guys know she has a girl and a boy, I also had a son. So it's very hard trying to raise a son. Yes. Um, being a woman yes. raising a son to be a man when you know you don't know how to be a man. So for no, me, not at all. exactly, exactly. So for me, and um, I can vouch for her this: we kept our kids in a lot of sports and different sports. activities. Yes. Um, and a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of programs to help you assist with that also. Right. Um, and and exactly. and your kids are gonna find their niche eventually. Um, my son went through through different you know uh, sports. He did baseball. He did basketball. He did football. Basketball ended up being his passion. So with that, 
with two, how are you able to function as they got older with your career because you finished college at the time and then juggling motherhood when you're going into your teen years with your children? Um, I think the biggest thing for me is when they were younger and I went back to school when they were both in school. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like, you know, a little bit of my past went through, um, um, a lot of struggles just in my personal life and made the decision when I went back to school, um, that way they could be in class during the day and then I could be in class during the day. And then as, as I progressed in school, I worked a full-time job and then finished up school while they were um, doing that. Um, I was able to get good jobs at, when I got out, but as they got older, um, I just knew that they needed, they needed more guidance. And um, the thing that um, I like to tell women when dealing with children, you deal with your children in stages. The same mom that they needed when I was younger, which they needed a provider, they needed discipline, um, was not the same mom that they needed as they got older. Um, so my kids are exactly polar opposites, but I've always raised them to know that they were better together. And that's how they ended up in college together. Okay. Um, because um, they've always been raised to that they have to watch out for each other. One has what the other one needs. And so that they were going to always be better together. And if anything ever happened to me, they needed to know that each other had each other. And so I purposely moved out of the city to a school where they could always be together and not have to continuously change schools um, and be separated. And I just moved to a school that went from six to 12. Okay. Um, and then I was more deliberate in where they were going. Um, when I did that, we started planning for the future at that time. Unfortunately, um, that was also kind of the borderline. I'm, I won't get too far until you leave me, but that's when I really started having a relationship with God and everything I did was deliberate. And so even when I did move and start doing those things, God was wanting more from me and I ended up losing everything um, right when they were hitting their teenage years and going into high school and I had to, um, I became homeless mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and lost it all. And so that was where the real work began because I had this young man who was an angry young man who was dealing with a lot of man issues that I was not aware of. And then I had this girl who was watching her mom struggle. Um, there were times where we had to share one stale bowl of cereal. I had no groceries, no anything, because there was something that God was trying to pull out of me at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and no education could help, no amount of money could help. I had a really good job and I still was struggling. There was more God wanted for me. So I ended up losing my car, my home, everything and was homeless and had to make the decision to go back and stay with my parents and try to get my kids through high school. So they, we ended, I ended up putting them through high school while my daughter was staying on my parents' couch. My son had a little small twin bed and I had a twin bed in an extra room. He lived in my dad's office. My daughter lived in the living room and I had a spare bedroom and that's how I got them. So that's when the real work began. Okay. And I'm glad you brought that up because um, a lot of people go through struggles and they can struggle in silence and your story might be able to help somebody who's going through the same thing that you're going through. And in reality, a lot of times we are stripped from a lot of things for a reason. And we look back on that and, you know, we look at it now it's like, okay, that was a life lesson. And this is what I did to get out of it. And a lot of people need to hear this story. So switching gears as we go into your new, your spiritual journey with that, you lost everything. You were down, down and out pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. Luckily, you did have your parents to lean on. 
Right. Um, so when did you know that your life was going through that shift and you know you had to follow that shift? Um, I think honestly, um, when I went through, when I lost everything, um, that time and I'm looking at everything that the world told me I needed to have, I had three degrees. I had a really, really good job I had. And when I lost that job for no you know, reason and of my own and no, I couldn't get a job at, at even just like at a Taco Bell or a gas station, I knew then there was something more that he was wanting me to do and that I had a hard walk ahead of me. I knew then that it wasn't even just the typical following God type thing. I knew that there was a call that was way beyond what I was living and I wasn't doing it to the fullest because I was still even just attending church, but I was not doing the thing that God had ordained me to do. So, you know, you said you weren't doing what God ordained you to do. And I think a lot of people fight that. They fight the spiritual feelings that they have. They fight their faith. Now, let me ask you before we go into that. When you're dealing with a hard struggle like you went through, and a lot of many of us have, right. did you lose faith? Um, I lost faith to the point of I became suicidal. I was suicidal. I was depressed. I had already bat- battled that previously for, from some other things that I was involved in um, earlier on. And so I took on that suicidal, depressed spirit um, and my health started failing me. So I, I completely lost faith because what God was showing me I was, my current circumstances didn't line up with that. And that's the key thing of when you know a shift is taking place, mm-hmm. when your dreams are bigger than your circumstances you know that that's a pull from God. There's something deep within that you can't achieve through your own money, through your own education, through your own resources, and even family. I knew that there was something bigger that I was supposed to be doing, and 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 my circumstances was not lining up with that. But I could not accept that because of how I was raised. If you do A, B, and C, then it works. And I did not have faith at that time. I really thought I had failed and I felt like I was a failure and I felt like I was failing my kids for where I had raised them all this way. And we were right at the end trying to get them to college and I had nothing to offer them. I was telling them to be great, but my situation wasn't great. Mm-hmm. I was telling them to have faith, but I didn't have any faith because we're all living out of suitcases and out of, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was the point where I felt like I literally had lost faith in everything and and i became honestly suicidal um there was many moments where um, i really felt like i was losing my mind because i was called to these two amazing children and i had this this call on me now um to a lot of people um and i was failing (laughs) Mm -hmm. i was trying to do everything myself and was not depending on god and i felt like a complete failure i did so when you were in your when you were in that time of darkness and like you said, you had suicidal thoughts, but I know you probably looked at your children and said, I can't leave them. Um, right. um, when you were going through that darkness, what was your point of light that kind of pulled you out of that? Um, I started seeing um, little things manifest. Well, that was the time when I joined um, the specific ministry where I just kind of flourished. I was broken before that but that's when I was purposeful and I actually went to a woman's house that I knew um, was like an assistant pastor Mm -hmm. Um, 
and just basically told her, I'm, I'm losing it. Um, and she was a prophetess at the time and I don't want to get deep, but she then spoke into me that I had a calling and there was a mission and I had to walk this out. And there was stuff that God was trying to do in me. And there was things he was trying to break in me. That was the reason why I was going through. And so I didn't understand it, but that at that point, all it takes, um, you know, they say is the, the faith of a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I just believed the God in her. I didn't have it, but I believed the God in her. And I literally just went to her door one day. Don't know how I remembered how to get to her house, but just went to her door and just knocked on the door and just by faith asked, this is what's going on with me. How, what do I do? I, I'm failing here. And that's when she spoke into me and literally changed the whole. And it was not an easy process. Mm-hmm. But that's how it started. It just was a small, I have to do something. And I was, you know, I was looking at my kids. I wasn't seeing anything just going in their life. They were just doing high school. They were not knowing the inside battles that I was dealing with. Because, you know, as moms, we learn how to put on the good face. Oh, yeah. We I mean, we, to, we, we learn how yeah. to hide stuff. and Because <laughs> yeah. you don't want to put that burden yeah. on your child, on your children. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't, many times I don't had the, the dance face and everything and then and dying on the inside. But you never and, let and your... And then going yeah. in the bathroom. Ooh, fine. What are you talking about? On the floor. On the floor. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's exactly. <laughs> and so I put on this... Then I had to go get help. And then that's when I made the shift and I purposely placed my son in the life of my then pastor. Um, uh, he is now Apostle Dead Brown, but I literally gave him to him. You know, God has specifically said it was time for me to turn him over. Mm-hmm. He was hitting that 14 years old, can't do anything with him, you know. Right. Um, and then that's when I started seeing the gifts that were in him musically, the gifts that were in her as far as dance, just ministry. I started seeing the small things that God had told me. And then I started building my faith off of those things. So you when you when you did the shift, you took your children on your shift with you. Just yes. as, okay, yes. and that's a great thing because a lot yes. of people will not do that. They'll go on that shift of their own, and a lot of times they leave people behind. Now, don't get me wrong; some people need to be left behind. But as for yes. our children, we we need to take them on that shift with, especially a spiritual journey like that, um, because they need to know that this is being offered. This is what is well, this is what's going to be out here for them. You know, they need to know this. So. With that, and you did your shift, and you you got into your spiritual journey. So tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey right now. Well, you mean where I am spiritually? Yeah. Well, your journey well, as a whole. Um, there again, you know, everybody believes in what they believe in. Um, right. So you know, we're gonna we're talking about you at this time, but you know, just right. about your your journey, just your spiritual journey as a whole. Um, you just gave us a little briefing about how you pretty much dug yourself out the mud and how you right. had to. Um, own the shift. So yes. yeah, so tell us a little bit about your spiritual, your current spiritual journey. Um, well, currently, um, I'm I'm spiritually in an amazing place and in a, a place of where God is literally transitioning me to the things that He showed me all those years ago. Um, now I'm seeing the things that are taking place, like um, um, my son, um, where he told me when he was young that he would go to school um, at this amazing school and everything would be paid for. I'm seeing that take place. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing the things that he said in my daughter that has to take place, um, where she really had a good time in college, but now. Now she's starting to build her faith because um, she did not come back home after she just stayed down there and got an apartment is trying to build her life 
um, down there. So now currently, um, I'm actually um, ordained in my office. I am called to, um, if I feel I am called and ordained as a prophet. Okay. Um, I operate um, as such. Um, I am now. I have my own ministry um, where I deal with people overcoming um, alternative lifestyles, addictions, the own the things that had them bound um, from the world, and helping them in getting them delivered into the new person that God has called them to be. Mm-hmm. So I try to get people from deliverance to destiny. Um, and then I currently have um, my the job that I work now, which a lot of people don't know. And this is the first time I think I've said it publicly. Um, I work with Alabama Pardons and Paroles, and I deal with felons coming out on uh, parole that need to be reentered into society. Okay. Um, and so the goal now is to... Um, um, I'm very anointed to work with that group. I'm very anointed to work with those that have been held bound and captive because of everything that I've gone through. And I'm um, hoping to um, go forth in a nonprofit where I really help um, those that have been incarcerated uh, reintegrate at, back into society. So spiritually, I'm now starting to see I have a book that I'm finishing my last editing on. Um, I'm yes. going to start another one as far mm-hmm. as guidance for those coming out. So spiritually, I'm now seeing the things that God told me that I had to be broken in back then. And you know what? And it's always, I always, how can I word this? I always want to commend people who've been through the struggle and are willing to help others because your story, they can relate to, to a, to a, to a sense. Um, you know, it's kind of hard when people go to counseling and thinking these people never struggle, never went through life, never, you know, just don't know life like we know it. And, right. and and when somebody's been through the struggles, been in the mud, they can relate a little bit better. You're going to have your empathy and sympathy a little bit more to someone who didn't. And then now you're doing a spiritual journey, a spiritual journey where you can show others, you know, I'm not trying to push faith on you, but I'm going to tell you what faith right. is for, for me, you know. Right. So with that, with your ministry, you're getting ordained and all. I mean, you, you, you know, you're doing a lot of great things in society right now. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Oh my, in the next five years, I really would hope to have um, a, um, a really, really productive coaching business. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see the nonprofit really hit the ground, especially in the area that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to eventually start um, looking into getting even housing for those that are coming out. Those who have a hard time getting housing, like your sex offenders who, you know, might have dated a younger girl and ended up with a, a, a charge that they have to now um once they get out, they have to say where they're living and things like yeah, that. Yeah, report as a pedophile. Or report, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. they have to report that. And so it's kind of hard to find housing. Um, and I want to be able to provide that. So I would hope it, just spiritually mm-hmm. in five years, I want to be at the place, even as an entrepreneur, um, which is not familiar territory with me, um, to be able to like pay off my kids' uh debts that they got from college, mine as well, and to really be pouring back into the community here in Huntsville, um, Alabama, to where I'm changing a community and we're seeing the change in the community where crime is going down, where business, where, where men are having jobs, men are voting more now and getting their rights back and coming off of, you know, papers. I really want to see an effect in the community as a whole within five years i definitely trust and believe and know that it's going to take place and i would like to train other people on how to affect their community in the same way because it starts with those that are the more impoverished and at the bottom that's where the change is going to start 
Well, you know what? We're going to go ahead and claim that because I know a little bit about you and I've known you over the years and you can achieve anything you put your mind to. And and we're going to claim it and you're going to have it. So with that being said, Lisa, go ahead and tell everybody how they can follow you and how you can be reached. Oh, definitely. Well, um, you can definitely follow me on um, social media as far as Facebook. I have a group called the Impact Room Group where um, I send out inspirational, encouraging messages as well as um, just the Impact Room where I blog and blogs are uploaded and um, it's a little bit more in depth. Um, And then you can also reach me on um, Instagram. Um, it's a little bit more personal. You can see a lot of my life and a little more personal side of me. Still a lot of encouraging words. A lot of um, funny uh, things that I like to send out because God loves to laugh. Yes. And I feel like sometimes we take this walk a little bit too serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to laugh. I, I feel like I'm funny. Other people may not, but I feel like I'm funny. And so I want to keep people with a light heart because world is this world is so harsh. Um, and I just love to keep that lightness. And so it's restored underscore outcast um on instagram as well as periscope it's restored underscore outcast and then i also have a youtube channel um that's restored outcast and that's just basically um how i live my life um I was an outcast. I lived a certain way that people didn't agree with, but because of how I walk now and who I trust and who my faith is in, I feel like that has been restored, but I'm still an outcast. So that's where that comes from, the the basis of that. Okay, great. Guys, make sure you guys follow her on all her social media handles. Join her group. Watch her YouTubes. She has such um, inspirational settings on all of those platforms. And guys, I would love you to reach out to her if you have any questions about spiritual journey, single parenthood, or just any questions about life in general. She is an open book. And she is responsive to any things that you guys may need. So with that being said, I want to thank you for being on my show today, Elise. And guys, you're welcome. And guys, thank you again for another episode of It's the Real Tasha. And you guys have a good night. Have a blessed night.